Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And subscribe to us on YouTube and wherever else you listen. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to specify if you feel like going to, you know, Spotify, Apple, whatever. But, you know, we're trying to get our YouTube going a little bit better. Yeah, and as always, we talk judging in MMA, so make sure you're familiar with the criteria. Read it wherever you can find it. Yes, please. (laughs) And thank you. Dan, how's it going? It's going great. Happy birthday to Scott. Thank you. Thank you. So the day that we're recording this was in the wee hours of uh, Sunday morning. Uh, it is, in fact, my birthday. You're listening a day late, so if you didn't say anything to me yesterday, then, uh, well, you know what? Don't bother. If you don't wish Scott a happy birthday, bad things. That's not true. And bad actually, you, you can you can wish it belated if you feel like, but you also don't have to. That's okay, too. No, I'm, you have to. No, I'm a big boy. I can take it. Nope. Well, if you don't do it, prepare for the worst. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm 49 years old, and I look great. You do for forty nine. For forty nine, yeah. Especially because I'm only thirty. Oh, yeah. That's what. See, my my father in law likes to. I mean, he he's not really lying about his age. We we know, but he'll he'll be like, yeah, I'm I'm forty seven years old. Like he's not not remotely close. But if I always think of it the other way, right? If you're gonna lie about your age, which I'm, I don't think I ever would because I don't see a point personally. But if you're gonna lie about it, and you're looking like maybe you know, maybe you're getting older, you start making yourself sound older so that when you tell people as a 70 year old oh i'm 83 today they'll be like wow you look terrific <laughs> although the problem would be if they look at him and be like oh yeah okay i would lie <laughs> about my age for a jujitsu competition oh oh okay you, I, you want to be a sandbag in I do, uh, sob uh, then no 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 i do not want to be in the masters or, <laughs> or masters too i put me with the with the adults 18 year old young bucks i want to just smash so i feel like you go the other way dude no, no, I don't want to go with the, with the. I want the younger, more athletic, gas tank for days guys to go against. I don't want to go against the guys my age. Why? Because <laughs> I I feel it would. It's it, that's not the division to win. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of like the. We're just doing this for you guys here. Go have fun. I don't think that's the same anymore. So. I feel like that. I mean, I'm not involved in the competition scene or anything like that, but I would look at that. I bet you a lot more people today are similar to you where they had been competing for a long time and they just aged into it. It's probably a much more lively scene. I'm just guessing. I really I, I have no concept. I would it. feel like why would I bother even competing? Well, hopefully none of the organizers of any tournaments you enter in the future listen to this episode. And actually, uh, actually, 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 one I got this idea from a from a uh, whoever ran one of the one of the uh, competitions well, that I did. I said, "Listen, I don't I don't want to do math." So she's like, "Just just say you were born in like this this year." Then it's like, "Okay," they're like, "We're not going to check." No, that sounds unhealthy. I was like, okay, sounds good to me. No, that's that's crap. I'm gonna call. <laughs> I'm gonna show up and be like, "This guy's a phony." He's nothing but a big phony. <laughs> Shout out to Family Guy. Old Family Guy. I, I don't care about new Family Guy. I love Old Family Guy. No, I don't know. I just laugh. And four laugh se- four and seasons laugh and I'm out. And laugh and laugh. I actually saw someone, Mila Kunis, today talking about how she's the voice of Meg. She's like, yeah. she's like, I was really happy when Meg got a makeover. I, I, I begged for this. <laughs> and she's like, I'm just happy when she gets dialogue because most of the time she's getting farted on. <laughs> That's probably accurate. <laughs> I I haven't watched a new Family Guy episode in probably 14, 15 years. I haven't seen a new one in a while, but I've seen clips and I just laugh and laugh and laugh. All right, fair enough. We're but we're not like a we're not a Family Guy show. I don't think you know that, mm-hmm. dear listener. Uh, you. If but are been, we a family show? 
I think we're a family show, okay. except for, you know, probably the fart talk. Okay. Well, the families talk about farts. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> they happen. Mm-hmm. These things happen. They happen to everybody. It's natural. Everybody poops and everybody farts. Um, <laughs> and a perfect segue into one of the greatest female fighters of all time, the greatest female fighter of all time, Amanda Nunes, has decided after the events of Saturday night to put an end to her career. She is deciding to walk away. It took a mother to defeat Father Time. She left on top and she's moving on with herself. What are your thoughts as the lioness has ended her Mixed martial arts competitive career. I mean, I don't mind her leaving the gloves there, but I hope she took the belts with her. I think she probably took them out. They're pretty valuable. Yeah, yeah. Bring those with you. Yeah. All right. She probably she probably also took the gloves with her. I think it's a ceremonial thing. Oh, okay. I don't think they're they probably didn't stay in Vancouver on the canvas. Although, I mean, the the guy he he just cut them off. Oh yeah, dude. He didn't just cut the tape. He cut them off. Well, I think that was the point. She wanted him cut off completely. Like I think that. she just could got. She needed just, to get out. Just get him off. It was like this. Just should have happened before, and maybe she didn't realize was, it. Maybe you know, in the confusion of kids, the moment and everything. Kids shouldn't watch that video as a as a safety guide to scissors. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to show <laughs> my children was... that. I will not. They still have to remember not to run with them. It's uh, it's an issue. But, but back to Amanda. But but can I can I also say. What did I tell you several hours okay. before this fight even happened? Scott Scott had a little Nostradamus in him. Wouldn't even would it count as Nostradamus? I guess. Are you He's saying kind of predicting? Are you it. saying Nostradamus or Nostradamus? Are you going with like the old guy who you did the predictions or the Nas version? Well, both are fine. That's fine. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it. Yeah. I saw the future. Yes. Yeah, I think we Scott can say that this, I predicted the future. That she's just looking for a dub. Doesn't care if it's a finish or not. And if she gets it. It's over. The ride's done. Uh, that's that's, that's kind of what, what I happened. said. That's kind of what I said, but it was more that's like... That's kind of what I remember. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we should also mention I had the night off. I took the night off for my weekend. For my, I took the weekend off for my birthday because I knew I wanted to watch fights as part of my birthday. And since I'm not required to cover these fights all the time for my outlet when they don't always care about it. So I said, well, I'm going to take this opportunity to just go watch them on my own with my buddy Dan. So we went out. We watched the fights. and. I said to you, the way that she was talking during the week, how she didn't want to have, she didn't want to leave with Juliana Pena having the belt. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. It kind of, that. that was the type of thing that started to make me think, I'm like, I wonder if she's just going to leave after this one. Because what else is there for her to do? There's the rematch that I never really thought, or the, the, the trilogy fight that I never thought was really necessary. And you made a good analogy uh, when we were talking about this afterward to George St. Pierre and Matt Sarah why we didn't need the third fight because we knew after the second fight who the better fighter was now there's probably a lot of other reasons why george stayed as the champion he was a much more marketable guy they had a lot of in time invested in him and and all that kind of thing but i think i think you were right i think the idea is we have a definitive answer about which of these two women is better do we need a third fight to prove that no and amanda certainly didn't feel that way I don't think she wants Juliana Pena to feel like the champion. You get the sense she's kind of like reveling in the idea that whoever comes after her is not the real champion. She called it a fake belt forever. Fake belt forever. Which is hilarious. It's not entirely true, but it's it's funny. And apparently Pena is on a warpath. Well, well, Dana said he didn't want to run into her. Dana White said that in the post-fight press conference. He was hoping not to run into her, I guess. I I have no idea... 
if there was a war path involved or something like that. I don't want to. I don't. I like to just take that. I pretend you can do. Dan can do what he wants. I'm. I'm not going down that road. (laughs) But yeah, it's um. As far as her career, I mean, I think you'd have to look at her as as the greatest female fighter of all time. It you know, there's you can have people in the camp of even still, even with the victory over her, I think you can still have people saying that Chris Cyborg is the greatest of all time. I'm not going to tell people they're wrong on that. I feel like I can build a compelling case for uh, Amanda Nunes a little more so. But both of these women have amazing, uh, incredible runs in this sport. But I, I would put Nunes at the top. Yeah, no, yeah, I like Nunes at the top there. And I still think it's wild that, Dan, you and I, at the yeah. jiu class we met, mm-hmm. we were going to our classes just as MMA class was wrapping up. And the lone woman on the mat was Amanda Nunes. Yeah. Early she in her shot, career. She shot out in New Jersey. Yes, she did. Yes, she did in, in her uh, in her regards uh, or, or, you know, kind of remembering her career, I guess, at the end uh, mm-hmm. in the cage. Yeah. Um, it was. It's just wild to kind of think about. I've mentioned this before. We saw Khabib do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. He, it was it was different because Khabib was at K-Dojo and he only came a couple of times that, yeah. that I saw, really. I don't think he was there very often anyway, mm-hmm. but... No, I think Mike was her manager for a little while, like Constantino. Yes, I believe so. So I'm, I'm almost positive of that, and and uh, just the fact that she came to... The, she was part of the gym. She was definitely a mm-hmm. uh, an AMA Fight Club member at the time that we were going for jiu-jitsu, and it was just kind of a crazy thing that was like... We knew she was good at the time, mm-hmm. like you know, on the women's side, but women's MMA was still very uh, niche, I guess, at the time. It definitely wasn't in the UFC yet. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, she was still in Strike Force at that point. Was she in Strike Force or was she even in Strike Force? I can't remember. Strike Force or Invec- Invicta. I think I think she was with because she was with both of them. I'm trying to remember but... what the order of events was. We could look it up, but it, in either way, it was it was pre UFC for sure. Um, we knew she was talented. She wasn't quite at the point where she was. She she lost some fights earlier in her career that I think if she had had them a few years later, she definitely would not have. But they probably made her better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just wild to, again to to think about that. Uh, as she leaves this sport behind, she has set the bar incredibly high. I think there are women who could pursue it and potentially even pass it one day. But the bar has been established of where an amazing career is mm-hmm. through both her and, uh, again, Chris Cyborg, too. Yeah, for sure. So what becomes of the divisions, right? Number one, I think we already got our answer from Dana White. Dana said that it looks like Featherweight's going to close. It's not really been a secret. They haven't had rankings in this division ever. Yeah. They have been reluctant to sign featherweights to give featherweights fights to get to give natural featherweights fights. They've kind of ushered them down to 35. It's really just Norma Dumont that we've even seen them give 45 pound fights. Um, they actually just parted ways with Bam Alecki just the other day, who was hoping to get fights at 145 because 35 is too deep a cut. So they, I guess, amicably parted ways. I imagine this is just the end of the road for anybody who cannot make 135 pounds in the UFC. They'll let them go. Um, And fortunately, Bellator and PFL have much healthier featherweight divisions for the women anyway. So I think I think it's probably going to be a net game for both Mm -hmm. all all parties involved here. But bantamweight, I think, is the question I have, because it doesn't look like that's going anywhere necessarily. But I I still feel like this is a division that really just doesn't have a whole lot of depth now. Now that we have a, a thriving 125, there's just not that many 135 pounders anymore that you feel super strongly about. There are there are some for sure. Yeah, how but many, I wonder how if many are left there. Like I, how much longer can Holly Holm fight? 
Well, Holly's probably not going to fight too, too much longer for sure. But yeah, I mean, we don't have a whole lot of up and comers in that weight class. I think there's a decent chance that we'll see Juliana Pena fight for the vacant belt. I think it's possible that we could end up seeing even Valentina Shevchenko come back up from 30, from 25 to 35 and compete there. I don't know if she would want to necessarily because it could be viewed as, well, now man is gone. So I'm yeah, just gonna yeah, yeah. I don't think she'd like that. I think she has too much ego for that, but it could be made worth her while. Who knows? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, Can they make 25? Who? Anyone you just mentioned. Pena, Pennington. I think earlier in her career, Pena did fight 125. Okay. I don't know if she does or could anymore. Uh, Shevchenko obviously can. I don't think Pennington can. I think Pennington's too big. But I, I, I could see a slow death for the 35 pound division in the future too. I don't think we're. I don't even think we're like within three or four years of that. But I think there, the day could come in the foreseeable future, even where we actually don't have a 35 pound division in UFC anymore. That we're focused on 15, 25, uh, and potentially 105. Which I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a 105 pound division. Mm-hmm. Um, to, yeah. especially to fill in for a division they really weren't operating in 145. Mm-hmm. So maybe with one fewer belt, Dana feels like, okay, we can have a an extra weight class again, right? I guess, yeah. Now, yeah. Losing 145, I guess, officially, maybe it opens the door for 105. Yeah. I, I did a lot of talking there. I kind of monopolized yeah. that. Do you have any other thoughts no, on, on that? Not really. I pretty much covered it. You got it. Cool. We can move on from that, though. Um, the other big thing, I guess, to come out of UFC uh, in particular, this event was Charles Oliveira getting the win over Benil Dariush, ending Dariush's quest to get to that title shot. It, he kind of joins, uh, I guess, a little different than Tony Ferguson because Tony Ferguson at least fought for an interim title, right? A couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't quite work out. I mean, he won the belt, the interim title. He didn't actually get to unify with the main title, but then he lost out his other bid. Um, now we have Benil Dariush who's on the cusp of getting yeah. a title shot, you think, for a while, and it looks like it, it may not happen for him necessarily. So yeah. it was not his night. But particularly for Charles Oliveira, unless you have something you wanted to say about Benil Dariush, it sounds like Dana gave almost a, a full seal of approval for the rematch between Oliveira and Islam Makachev for the title. Oh, yeah. That's that's the fight. Hmm. You have to do that fight. You wouldn't do necessarily the winner of Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje for the for the BMF belt to fight for that belt. I, I wouldn't hate it, to be honest. I, if it's Gaethje... I think I like it better, just because Gaethje kind of gave Khabib a run. But we haven't so, seen Poirier against uh, Islam Akhchev either. It's a fresh matchup. It's a fresh. Either way. It is, it's with fresh. That but I'm saying the way Khabib chewed up, got, got his leg chewed up by Justin, and then, you know, because he, he's the great, you know, Khabib, he's able to pull through, get a submission triangle. What happens if Islam gets smashed like that a little bit? Oh, they're different fighters, though. Khabib, Khabib and Islam fight differently, though. But I'm just saying... How does that work if he if he eats a bunch of these leg kicks? That's what makes it interesting to me. Sure, I mean I get that, but I I think I think Dustin Poirier is well rounded enough that he provides a lot. Also, of well, you know, the that that's another thing. I mean, I, I did watch that McGregor documentary, and it reminded me. And of I did the, not yet all the leg kicks that that Dustin Poirier beat up Connor with. <laughs> so maybe Dustin Poirier has a lot of tools so, in his I belt. Mean, it's interesting, I mm-hmm. guess. I'd rather see Charles Oliver. He was on fire tonight. He deserves it. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't hate the fight, but I'm always, I'm always more of a fan of fresh matchups in general, unless there's a, like a, you gotta have it rematch, you know, or there's really not a, an interesting alternative, right? Sometimes it's, it's better to do the rematch. I don't necessarily see that being the must here, but if that's what happens, I won't complain. I think I'm okay with it. But all oh, uh, I will add though, what if 
Poirier and Gaethje ends up being just like that amazing fight where you're like, come on, one of these guys has to get rewarded for this. Yeah, they did get rewarded for the with the BMF. Stop title. it. That belt sucks. 50K extra. Uh, uh, Dana, by the way, would not confirm whether they get power, uh, pay-per-view points on that uh, for that fight. Whatever. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily an incentivized thing here is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. <laughs> I, their finances are their business. I'm sure they they got it. I mean, these two guys are not going to just fight for a flat fee against um because they're selling it. So you never know. And they're smart enough to to. I mean, and Gaethje isn't Gaethje with uh Gaethje's with uh Dominance MMA. So I mean, Ali Abdelaziz. He's not taking this fight without points. So or something extra on it. I have no idea. I don't think either of us knows that. But. Usually Dana, like, if, if that's the case, usually Dana's just like, yes. So that's why it's kind of weird when we have this scenario. But maybe it's something different where it's like he doesn't want it to become publicized to where other fighters can negotiate this, whatever. Maybe they, they foresaw something. And it's something kind of outside of the norm. Dan, this is a championship don't fight. think about. This is a championship fight. You just said. It's a BMF champion. You said that. Yeah. It's the fake belt forever because we already know who the real BMF <laughs> champ is. True. Yes, we do. <laughs> Nate Diaz. Oh my God. All right. I think we've, we've probably exhausted the UFC uh, storylines. We'll get back to them. For... Jim should be fighting for the BMF yes, belt. Yes, Jim. That Jim, would be a real belt. Jim Miller. You know what? That I'll, I'll allow. If you want to put Jim Miller in a BMF fight against somebody, fine. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the... the the senior division, him and Tony Ferguson. <laughs> I want that fight. I think that's a great fight. It is a good fight, but I, I mean, at this point, Jim Jim's on a tear. He should be fighting Islam. So, <laughs> what do you mean, terms of unfair? Jim just lost a fight before this one. No, he didn't. Not in my eyes. <laughs> anyway, let's go over to PFL real quick. And I know you didn't get to watch too much of this, but I gotta say, PFL their event on Friday, which we didn't discuss it in any way at all last week because it kind of just forgot about it. We more or less forgot about it. Yeah, I knew it was coming, but like also sometimes June just kind of sneaks up. And I'm thinking about it last time. And then you're like Georgia, and then your head started spinning. I, yeah, yeah, it, it kind of starts starts to make you worry, <laughs> go into convulsions, and it's not good. But this event that they had on Thursday night, a, th- a Thursday night card, which I love, mm-hmm. not as good as Wednesday, which they're now going to have this summer. In New York, Wednesday MMA is the best. Is that an MSG? It's at the theater, yeah. Okay. Because the if it was MSG. if it was in Barclays, I wouldn't go. No, I know you wouldn't. I know that's way too far for you, and you hate the uh, hate the vendors and, and all the the oh, restaurants it's, there. It's the worst arena ever made. <laughs> there are worse arenas. But this PFL event, I I felt like there was everything that PFL like would like their events to be. It actually became. Uh, let's say, save for absolutely uh, like terrible pacing because they have no idea what to do when they have aired to fill except show the empty arena feed of nothing and listening to music and there's nothing going on that's bizarre but other than that they had drama they had finishes they had everything you wanted where the season was coming down to the wire for for fighters and they had the dramatic finish at the end where brendan lofnane is in the driver's seat. You almost you almost write him off as like, well, he's going to go advance to the, the semifinals, the defending champion and all that. He gets finished in the first round in a way that prevents Chris Wade, who would have ostensibly been the more easy pick to go on to that semifinal if Jesus Pinedo did not win as quick as he did, but he just so happened to. And it was just a dramatic finish to what I thought was a really terrific fight card on the whole. From PFL, I know mm-hmm. you didn't watch too much of it, but it was definitely the selling point. It's it's something that PFL and and their uh, let's say their whoever's trying to 
sell more investors yeah. on their product, this is the one that they should show people. But probably fast forward between fights. I can, I mean, I can make their system better. How? You just, you kind of do a round robin, one round fights, and then you get mm. work the points that way. So everyone fights each other, and then like the top whatever point earners uh, go through. Yeah, I don't know about that, man. Instead of just two random fights, that two random, <sighs> yes, in quotes, it, 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 yeah, that's two a fair, random, absolutely fair uh, matchups that push you through to the playoffs. I don't, we do not have a perfect system in PFL. There is not. In, but there are a lot of issues with PFL still. But it was like it was exciting. I mean, they showed Chris Wade, you know, obvious look of concern on his face, like, well, what just happened? I don't know. He was trying to on. process, like, what does that mean yeah. for me? Did, did, yeah. did I win? But like, because it happened so quickly, he hadn't quite figured out that actually he still was eliminated. And if I understand correctly, he is the first PFL fighter to get as many as six points in the standings and not advance to the semifinals. Six points had been automatic up until this point. Yeah, if you get, I mean, if you get six points, that means there's four other fighters who had two first-round finishes. Mm-hmm. Or at least one first-round one first fi- finish. One first-round yeah. finish. Or two wins, potentially. Two wins or one first-round yeah. finish. Yeah, and the tiebreakers would be, you know, finishes would beat two decisions, and then a quicker finish beats a slower finish. Yeah, I don't like the time thing there. Yeah, I know. What, what, would, you, what would you be your tiebreaker? I'm curious. Tiebreaker... If it was that uh, scenario, let's see two people have six points and they both had a finish. Uh, whoever got the sub. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you. Um, no further questions. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should also, real quick, before we get into contested rounds and, and the unanimity report and that kind of thing, we should look back on the on the week that was in um, the online judging conversation, which continued on a lot longer than I think either you and I anticipated when we were talking about the round last week. Yeah. And in question from uh, the Albazi victory over mm-hmm. Kai Carfrons. Round four was the one that people were kind of that kind of stuck in people's craw. You had a lot of people watching that saying it's really hard to give that round to Kai Carfrons. And in some ways, I do to understand Amir. Uh, to Abazi. Abazi, thank yeah. you. Excuse me, Amir Abazi. Um, and I do understand kind of what some people were saying to a point of how they could have arrived at that. But I mean, we both watched that round twice. We both can see why it happened. It to feels, say there's no it feels like the statistics are are kind of not are wrong in line with what, what actually we watched. Yeah. yeah, I think you can make the. I mean, I do. I think we I don't like, have to go deep into. Yeah, that, like but, I like I said last week. I think Kai Kara France is the better score. But it's not like you can't make a case for Albazi in it. Yeah. So, stupid round to go to get this much uh, feedback from uh, calling for you know you know the judges should be killed is kind of insane. Well, that's that's obviously that's, that's the extreme people, right? That, that's the extremist. But there was a lot of people that were let's say um, less threatening of people's livelihoods and and lives and that kind of thing. Yeah. It was more the conversation continued, especially. Because we saw it on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani talking about wanting accountability. The calls for people to get the judge's rationale. Everyone just wants to hear why, for example, Chris Lee gave round four to Amir Albazi instead of Kai Carfranz. People just want that answer now. And you were at least seeing some of the conversation steer toward the regulators, the commissioners, the commissions. They need to make this available. They need to find a way. It's not. It wasn't all pointed in that what I feel is the most productive direction, but at least some of it is starting to turn that way. I think people have to understand that the judges are basically doing everything they can, which is nothing. They can't do anything to 
communicate that to people without potential loss of opportunities. Yeah. The, there are very few commissions that will be understanding if a judge even reasonably goes out and talks about judging without express permission. And they're not going to get express permission very often, if at all, anymore. That's been locked up even more than ever. So I don't really think it's productive to continue to call upon someone like Chris Lee to come forward and say, hey, why'd you do that? You got to talk to the commission. The commission needs to do that. And I was like, I was very happy to see that there are more people pointing that way, but we still have a ways to go in focusing the conversation in that direction. And we're not quite there yet. I, I, if a judge wants to talk, he should be allowed to talk. Yeah, I, that's, that's how what I feel. I, I mean, the, without fear of reprisal. Did I use that right word right? You did. All right. I've been using that term. Kudos. So you probably read it. Kudos <laughs> to me. Yes. For using the right vocabulary word. Well done. But yeah, if Chris Lee wanted to talk, he should be able to say, hey, this is what I saw, and that's it. Explain it and be done. I think I think that would that would go very far with, with most of the community. I think it's it's tricky, right? Because we've had some officials that have come forward and put their explanations out there. And it's backfired because their explanations have been incredibly flawed and not necessarily rooted in the teachings of, you know, let's say a judging course or in the written words of the MMA scoring criteria. Well, if, if that's that, where we get into the problem, if that happens, then the commission can come in and say, hey, listen, this doesn't this doesn't really go with along with the criteria. What, what's going on here? Or other judges can come that. forward and say, yeah. well, listen, this isn't actually how we are taught to do things according to the way. We teach it or we have been taught at the ABC training courses. This is what we would do. And it's it's kind of crazy that they're only allowed to discuss it in that particular form, right? Because it's still technically, I mean, it's, it's not public, but like it's open to anybody who really wants to sign up, if I understand it, as long as there's room and they're willing to pay a fee. Or in the media case, Mike Mazzulli allows pretty much any media to take these courses um, for free in, in, in the interest of media um, education. Mm -hmm. Or or how great would it be every Monday, a senior judge, uh, whoever, whoever may, may be, South the Mile, Derek Cleary, whoever, goes on Ariel's show. I only say Ariel because he has the biggest he platform. He does have the largest platform so by a mile, correct. He goes on the show every Monday with all the, you know, the winners from Saturday night. Sure. Explains what he saw. Even if he didn't work the event, explains what he saw, what could be going on. I think that would that would just be incredible. Yeah. Uh, progress towards, you know, more, uh, I don't know the word, but more accountability, maybe? Account something See, something it, along those lines. It's not necessarily accountability. Something if, along those lines. I can't think of the word, though. Sure. I, I will say people really do seem to want to hear from that particular judge. They're Peeling not back interested curtain, in what, maybe. Sure. But that's the, that's that's not the great way, no, too. No, no, no. You're getting the point across. That's yeah. fine. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be grammar police on you. Um, not today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think people really do. Sorry, yeah, sure. There you go. Enlightening. I think what people really do want is the word, especially let's say Ariel in this example. Ariel is being very specific in that he wants to hear from that particular judge. He doesn't want to hear from media members like you or me or mm -hmm. Sean Sheehan. He doesn't want to hear from us who are positing why a round could be that way. He wants mm -hmm. to hear why that judge gave that particular round in that particular case to that particular fighter. And I get it. I, I do understand that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would love to have those answers be public, fortunately, in a lot of cases, because we have taken courses. We have talked to officials. Fortunately, sometimes we're actually privy to that information. It's privileged information. We can't share that with you. 
but we do understand in the end of the day sometimes why a round is given in that particular case. I don't necessarily know what's how it happened in this particular round that everyone's talking about last week, but we do often get that information. And very often, even when I'll sit there at the first glance and I'll say, well, how did we get there? Why did we get that round? And I'll hear it and I'll at least understand it, right? I can kind of accept that. I, th- I think I'm probably a little more of a realist in a lot of ways than a lot of people can. It's not everybody can accept that. Mm-hmm. I think you can, sir. Mm-hmm. I think you get it. And I think there's a lot of people, reasonable people in the media, in the Twitter conversation that would get it. There's, of course, these spurned betters that are never going to understand. So, you know, <laughs> screw them. But um, sorry if you're a spurned better and you didn't like that. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> it It would be good to allow the commissions to, even if they can go over it with the official or have the official provide their explanation to the commission for the commission to then release. Well, here's my thing. I think I think, I think the commission is kind of nervous of, you know, getting, you know, questions back. Literally everything that, of, they're, that the commission is doing is because they're afraid of what can happen pushback and backlash. Kind of. Any sort yeah. of backlash. They, they don't want it. They want everything to be swept under the rug and move forward. Absolutely. <laughs> no question. No, but I mean I mean pushback from the reporter asking the questions. If they go in front of a live live media member and now they're getting questions back. and now, Like a pool reporter, some yeah, people are suggesting. So it's saying just release the statement and that's it. That's the statement. That's what it is. No follow-up questions. Sure. That's it. That's that's something they could do. That's more so, in line with again something that Ariel brings up is the the two minute report that the they do in the NBA. They where they release all the calls and why they were right or why they were wrong and that kind of thing. I think that's a very useful thing. But really, it really comes down to it is you hear talk from regulators like Mike Mazzulli, the president of the ABC, who you know we, he had us over at the ABC commission. He's he's helped us uh, to understand how some of the commission workings work. Having said that. Uh, for him to imply that he doesn't want officials talking because they might say something, you know, not right or something like that, something not smart, it, it, or or maybe that he doesn't want them to talk because he wants to protect them. That's disingenuous to me. I think he doesn't want them talking because he wants to protect himself. And I think by leaving them out to dry where they can't talk and you won't talk for them, leaves them unprotected. And I think that's crap. Yeah, if you're going to... If you're not going to let them talk, at least talk. You have to be them. the mouthpiece for them. Yeah. Absolutely. That is 100% true. It is it is great ABS to not provide any sort of way for accountability for your commission, not for the judge, but for the commission. You need to be accountable. If you're not letting them talk, you talk. And that's the thing that I want to see. I want to see regulators get pressed for this kind of thing because that's crap. Thank you. I think you nailed it. And that's all I have to say yeah. about that. <laughs> think I'll go home now. <laughs> think I'll go home now. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's I again I don't want to rehash everything, but yeah, let's move on. We've got contested rounds to get to from two events, of course, mm-hmm. PFL and UFC. We've got our unanimity report for both of these events. UFC two eighty nine had twenty five scored rounds, twenty of which were unanimous, and only one of them was an eight nine split. So on the whole, eighty percent agreement. Solid. Most of the time, they're they're landing on the right round winner here. A lot of work on this one. They did a pretty good job, all those officials, which was mostly traveling officials made up of Sal D'Amato, Mike Bell, and Chris Lee working the vast majority of rounds with some local officials and also Jaron Vallel, who technically is local as Canadian, but also travels uh, to Nevada. I think we had some real good work generally on the whole. We'll get into some rounds and we'll talk about how we feel about them as well. Over in PFL... 
They were in Georgia. This was, by the way, the, the UFC was over in Vancouver, British Columbia. So mm-hmm. when I say local, I'm talking about Canadian. Um, PFL was in Georgia. Only local judges. We had four, a team of four that kind of, you know, three at a time, one would sit and that kind of thing. So that's what you'd expect from local officials, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate, though, that PFL does rely upon strictly local officials for extremely important fights because all of theirs are extremely important for their Mm -hmm. million dollar everything on the line format kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but we only had 11 rounds to score because there was just so many finishes at pfl which was a wild fun several hours but again too much filler in there uh 11 rounds seven of which were unanimous so it was a lower percentage 63.6 percent unanimous and there were no eight nine splits here Actually, three out of these four rounds are in one fight. We'll talk about that later. Hmm. So let's go over to contested rounds now and start with the UFC Derek Cleary side. didn't work that event. Derek Cleary did not work that event. He didn't work anywhere. Yes, right, that's what I'm saying. He probably had stuff to he do might, this he weekend. Might have, I'm saying, but he might have had a, he was maybe on vacation, something to do. He can do whatever he wants. But on a Thursday night, maybe go judge some fights. Well, what if he can't? What if he's working? Well, then you can't. That's the way it works. <laughs> I would love to be like, you know, there, you know I'll go judge some fights. Yeah, but you're not Thursday in Georgia. Night. I'm not from Georgia. Gotta grab some peaches and head down to Georgia. I had some peach beer tonight. Did you? Yeah. I didn't pay attention to what you were drinking. Yeah. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. By the way, we should point out, Dan was drinking, but we ended up watching back these fights after it sobered up <laughs> I a was, bit. I was not. He was ham... Dude, you were dancing on the table. It was a little weird. I had two and a half beers. And that's what made you so, dance on the table? Wow, yeah, you are yeah. a lightweight. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Yeah, no, I did not score these fights live. And and happening. you did not dance on the table. Yeah. That's true. Oh, no, I danced on the table. I, I must have been. Yeah, you were. I turned around. Yeah. I didn't go to the bathroom at all. I actually just went at your house. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you think I covered the bill? Magic? Dance on the dance on the table. That, there you go. That's true. Uh, let's get to contested rounds, though. There's enough of that. Enough, enough imagery for our, uh, for our listeners here. Start with UFC 289 and start with the main event here. With the only 8-9 split of the night, we don't have any, like, there's not really any dramatic judging craze that's going to happen off of these these fights from the UFC especially. So, yeah, we're just going to start with our our split round, 8-9 split, in round four of Amanda Nunes. 50-44, two times in 50-43, victory over Irene Aldana. Clear dominance, but we may have a second 10-8 in this fight, round four. What's going on? Yeah, Nunes landing big shots. Uh... Definitely, definitely winning it on the feet. Uh, decently dominant. You know, Aldana uh, does actually come alive in this round. And by come alive, I mean she's, like, landing, like, twice a minute. Uh, so, not great, but a lot better than what she did in previous rounds. Uh, but Nunes kind of just takes uh, her foot off the gas in between this good offense. She's landing with heavy damage, or heavy impact, I should say. Um, I kind of feel like she pointed. She point-fighted. Point-fought. Pa- she point-fought. With power shots, if that's a thing. <laughs> no, that's not a thing, It's sir. like just one, two shots, chill for like 20, 30 seconds. Bomb, bomb, chill for a little bit. Bomb, bomb. Um, so I didn't read her performance that same way as you did. Yeah, I kind of like... I, I didn't I, see it as coasting. I see... Not not coasting, but not like... I didn't. I don't have duration. Maybe we'll, we'll put it that way. Okay. I got no duration. And I no think, duration. I think and I right. think dominance could be checked a little better. I do think we got the damage pretty solid there. Uh, not enough to go on its own, though. So I think it's just a 10-9, but uh, I got no issue with this being an 8. So I have, I don't have, down, I, don't, I don't have duration checked, I should say. 
dominance, which if, if you want to look at it in the striking department as, a, as an outclassing in the striking department, I actually do think we have dominance here. I think she absolutely outclassed Irene Aldana. She I was outclassed. Aldana. I feel I very good about be, that I one I think she could have outclassed her better. I, I think we've hit the threshold. That doesn't mean you can't do better. When you well, when you only have two, then that's when you just start considering. It's not a must. Of course, of course. So yeah, but uh, I would say the damage in this round is not incredibly high. That's where I feel like we're just not to I the mean, point I, where I yeah. definitely would say, oh yeah, even with two, I feel really good here. I think this. I would say, put it this way: if we were to go back on this fight and for contested rounds, right, or not contested rounds for past judgment, mm-hmm. and we have our expanded scoring system where we do, you know, a good solid. 10-8 would become a 10-7, and that middle ground mm-hmm. is uh, with two Ds would be a 10-8. I think what we have here is a very borderline 8-7. Like, it's close for me going to all the way to the 7 in that format. No, nah, I think I'd be but, feel but, good with Nate. Nah, I, think I, I think I'd get really close. I even said it to you when we were watching. I was like, man, I don't, I, I don't know if that's an uh, 8 or not, but I, I still stick with the 9, just like you here, but... Ah, it's really close. I think it's really close. I just don't get there. Okay. So I sided with you. Like I said, I side with uh, judges Saldamato and Mike Bell, who were scoring the main event alongside Chris Lee, who had the eight in this round as well. Again, didn't quite get there. I totally see why Chris Lee could go for the eight here, though. Perfect sense to me. I'm fine with it. So. And that was that was really the most interesting round from the whole thing that I think you and I wanted to talk about. But we will, of course, cover or dutifully the other four rounds in fights that... While these rounds really didn't have a whole lot of bearing on the on the finish here, it was all unanimous decision victories in this one. No split decisions, period, by the way. No splits. No splits. And there were a lot of decisions on this card, too. So uh, shout out to the judges. I think they did a terrific job in, in uh, Vancouver. But let's go to the prelims where Steven Ursig got the victory over David Vorak. 29-28 twice, and a 30-27 were split on round one. The main reason I put this one here is because it was actually a round that, you know, we had a bearing on the winner potentially, mm-hmm. even if it didn't. So let's talk about round one here. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty close round. Uh, both guys landed good leg kicks. Urseg landed a couple nice ones, uh, and he had some decent success upstairs. However, I think Dvorak landed a bit more and a bit harder. He had a couple good shots upstairs that I thought got really strong reactions from Urseg. And a really good leg kick that got a pretty good, almost spun him around. Um, I think the immediate impact is on Dvorak's side. Uh, very close, but 10-9 Dvorak. So when, I should say, when I watched this live, I was sort of scoring, but I wasn't scoring in a way that I felt like comfortable sticking with, you know? Because I would kind of just shown up for this, like the fight before, and I was still settling in from when we were watching the fights. And I thought Ersig actually did enough to get that round. But after watching it back with you later on, yeah, I felt a little better about Dvorak here, but it's a close round. I think it's a close round. I think it's fine to go yeah, either way. Yeah, both both guys had had good good moments there. But this is the only round you would consider because Ursig started to really take over in round oh, yeah. two, and then he, and then he had a nice job in round three too. So um, that's fine. We both sided in the majority with Sal D'Amato and Jake Maxim, local judge. It was Jaron Vallel who was the out here. But again, I, I I I even saw it that way the first time. I don't think I don't think it's a bad score at all. Not even close. Mm-hmm. Um. Round three in the next fight here, Dan Ige. This is our last main card fight. Dan Ige getting the victory over Nate Landwehr, 29-28 twice and 8-30-27. Round three, like I said, is our split. All the remaining fights uh, on P- on UFC, I should say, are round three. So what's going on? Ige's landing heavier strikes, but Landwehr 
is landing some good volume with a couple couple solid ones mixed in there. Uh, Landward got rocked a couple times, just a bit during that round. Towards and then towards the end, Landward does come alive a bit, landed some elbows against the fence. I think Ige edges this one, ten nine. Yeah, I do too. I I feel like you could go either way. Perfectly fine. Also, it was it was a really impressive way for Landward to fight as well as he did in that round, considering where he was at the end of round two. Yeah, Nate Landward looked like it was a situation where if they had stopped that fight, I think it was Jason Herzog, right? Yeah. If Jason Herzog had stepped in, and I'm not criticizing him, um, but if he had stepped in and wanted to stop that fight near the very end, the way Landwehr was getting beat to heck, I'd have been fine with it. I think mm-hmm. it would have been fine. I think you could even start making the case for it being a 10-8 because of how close to a finish it got. This was all natural 10-9 across the board in round two nonetheless but man Lambert was in such a bad way i feel like you can actually give the damage so high yeah that you can actually put it he over was, but he nonetheless was, he struggled to get back to the corner a he really bit, so. did but of course they have to turn in their cards mm-hmm. right away so it's not like they can sit there and say hey how's he doing you know they don't <laughs> they don't have time for that that's not the way it works you score the five minutes right but yeah i i think i think there's a case to be made for sure for landwehr but i felt like he got round three as well so you and I actually went with Chris Lee here, who was, again, just like in the Nunes fight, was off on his own from Sal D'Amato and Mike Bell. What does that mean for Chris Lee? Couch side over. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> there you go. There's a win for Chris Lee. We'll send that over. That'll be in the mail. And now we got we got two prelims. We got two more prelims here. Kyle Nelson got the win over Blake Builder. Not Bob the Builder. That's his dad. 30-27 uh, <laughs> twice and a 29-28. And again, it's round three. What's happening here? Yeah, it's a competitive round. Uh, they clinch on the cage for like the first two minutes with like no strikes being thrown at all. Uh, but when they do separate, they let their hands go pretty good. Builder landed upstairs. Nice nice strikes upstairs. But mostly, most of them were partially blocked. Uh, and Nelson was landing a lot cleaner, strong punches, especially late in the round. Uh, he found his rhythm and started you know landing some solid shots. He wins it for me 10-9. I also had the same score. I had Nelson 10-9. I thought round 1 would be our split round in this fight actually. And and to fair because I wasn't watching it very closely, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people do, and they flashed the the number of strikes in round 1. And it was like 32 to 5 or something like that. And it was like, well, obviously Builder must be winning. But then that was before Builder got kind of tagged, right? Yeah. By Nelson. And mm-hmm. that was that was, I think, what the thing that absolutely would have flipped it if it, if you hadn't already gone the other way. So numbers can be deceiving, of course, as we know very well. Um, but yeah, it, it ended up being once we saw round three, I had it the same as you for Nelson. Jaron Vallel and Mike Bell saw it the same way we did. It was uh local judge Jason Dara had this one for Builder. But mm. what do you think? Crazy, not crazy? Mm, it's okay. I think it's okay. That's fine. Last one. Diana Bobitza, rhymes with pizza, got the win over Maria Oliveira, rhymes with era. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 30-27 twice in a 29-28. So, again, final round three. What's going on? Belbeat is landing strong punches, especially in that first exchange. She lands a right and then a big left and kind of, you know, snaps the head back. Um, one later in the round where Oliveira gets rocked a bit. Uh, both did land a decent amount of punches, but Oliveira just doesn't have much steam on her strikes, I think. Uh, she does land a couple of those jumping knees. Maybe those helped push it over. Uh, maybe they felt heavier cage side, but I, I on TV, I didn't think so. I kind of felt this round was close but clear. So I'm 10-9 Belbita. Yeah, I felt pretty good about Belbita. Belbita. Oh, Bel- like pizza. pizza. It's not Velveeta. Not Velveeta. It's pizza. Real pizza. Not fake cheese. Belbita. Mm-hmm. 
No pizza. It d- it doesn't look like it though. But neither, you know what? Pizza doesn't look like it has a T in it. To be fair, it's pizza. Yeah, exactly. My kids aren't. That drives them nuts. They don't really understand. But and I can't explain it very well. No, it's but, the English language. Well, it's, it's the Italian languages. They they when it's the two Z's, it, it oh, makes it. I, again, my, that was my understanding. I, I could be corrected by an English actual Italian I'm speaker, wrong. but that was my understanding. Again, I'm wrong. Pete is not an American or English word. That's true. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, um, where were we? We were not talking about pizza. We we're talking about Dan- Danielle uh, Danabelle pizza. It's not pizza. P i s a. That's a that's a town. Oh, with a tower that's kind of crooked. Okay, I've never been there. One day, um, or maybe not. I don't know. Uh. But Belbizza, yeah, I agree, I agreed with you Mozzarella. in the sense that I gave it to Belbizza. I, I don't know. I'm torn. I, I I can see, I guess, it not being too crazy to go the other way. I don't think it's the worst score. I think it's probably the worst score that we got out of Vancouver. But, you know, I think the judging in Vancouver was pretty sound. So I saw it like you did for with Jaron Vallel and Jason Darragh and the local judge. Chris Lee was the one who saw it for Oliveira. Um, Belbizza definitely has to be careful about ducking down on those punches, though. Like I said to you... She's going to get her head kneed off or, or uppercutted into the next row. Well, every yeah. time she throws, she just kind of ducks her head down into something. <laughs> Someone times it. She's out. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's kind of everything I have about the UFC. Want to go over to PFL? Oh, yeah. Let's do PFL. Sure. Awesome. <laughs> I told you, if you had watched this event, first off, again, you would have been mad at the pacing. But I think you would have had a fun time with all the fights. I might have turned it off You might the pacing. I mean, you might have. Maybe you just play some MLB The Show in the middle. Yeah, I... That'll give you a lot of time. No, you don't have to be as fast as Bellator is with their prelims. Yeah, theirs is a torrid pace. Like, they I don't do a even great think job. They, I don't even think they get entrances. The U- Maybe the UFC so, pace, right? Like you just, Which is not always great, but sometimes just, okay. You just, you just have a beat, though. You yeah. know, every 15 and 45, a new fight's happening. That's that's fine. They gotta have a lot more video packages ready, right. I think, to promote. That's, that's part of the issue. But let's talk about the fights, though. Okay. Let's talk about the rounds. Particularly, we'll get most of them out of the way with just one fight here. Andrew Sanchez, UFC veteran, you recognize the name, got the win over Taylor Johnson. Split decision. Here's our split. 29-27 twice and a 27-20, well, 29-27 for Johnson, I should say. And this actually ends up being an alternative decision where all three rounds are split. And there was a point deduction in the first round. Just a, a, This is everything. This is like everything our show, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go. Let's got to start at the top. Round one. I thought this was a pretty clear round, and I'm kind of shocked that we're talking about this one. Uh, Sanchez landed good leg kicks, good punches upstairs, and then in the clinch against the fence, landed some good punches. And then in the turtle, a couple strong shots before being reversed and illegally need. And then, you know, points taken. They reset, and they stare at each other till the bell rings. Johnson is punching back while his back is against the fence. But these aren't much, and they're certainly not enough to win a round. I'm shocked we're talking about this round. I don't get this round. So this is like just a clear cut 10-9 Sanchez. I thought it was a reasonably clear round for Sanchez too. I did. Um, like I struggle to see an argument here for Johnson. The only thing I can say about the reason why you get a round like this being split is, number one, there's a pause in the action. And potentially these judges, I don't know how often they're working, but if they're not working that often, maybe they don't have a very good system of keeping track of where their mindset is at in the round, right? I mean, there, there was like 18 seconds left in the, in the round, and then nothing happens after the foul. You certainly hope that no one scored that knee in Johnson's favor because it was an illegal strike. I'm I'm going to give them that. I'm going to give the judges that. They didn't do that, but I don't know that. I 
I don't know that we have the highest of volume in this round necessarily. I'm just tr- I'm grasping straws. I'll be I'll be mm-hmm. perfectly honest here. I'm just trying to make excuses up. I'm not necessarily saying things I believe in, but I'm throwing things out there, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me how well they're sticking. I'm not. No, I'm not buying them all. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I mean, I saw it the same way as you. Yeah. I I I thought this was a Sanchez round. I felt pretty good about this one. I don't think I was as deeply offended as you were, but I I also thought this was a good Sanchez round. So a little surprised we we're talking about. I feel like if we had a more veteran crew here, maybe we're not. I think if this this fight happened in Vancouver, it's not happening that way. I mean, the best part about me watching this fight was like, oh, wow, Andrew Sanchez, I know that guy. That's right. Yes, that, and that happened that was... before the fight started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that ends up being, we actually gave the round technically 10-8 to Sanchez because of the lost point. Um, we agreed with judges Will Fisher and Nate Mann. It was Bradley Wade who had this one for Johnson. So you're not a fan of Bradley Wade's uh, work in this particular round. I am not, no. We'll have to add this one to our end of the year list, right? I think this one goes in the list. Okay, okay. For like for sure. What'd you think of the knee, uh the, the point deduction for the knee? Right call. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Any 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 concussive blow, I think that's illegal, should probably be a point. I feel like that's a good good line of thought. I like that. I also think eye pokes should probably be lost a point because of the damage that can be done through the remaining of the fight. Depending how the poke poke happens. I mean, any poke to the eye is not ideal, so I don't know. You can scratch a cornea, easy. I know, no, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I'm saying I don't want to go deep on a tangent on that. I'm just depending kind of on it up. how the poke goes. Sure. Um, we can move on to round two though, because we've, we've still got to talk what about. What if these, you headbutt right? my fingers? What if I headbutt your fingers? And my finger finds your eye socket. I, I don't think. know. There's there's exceptions to every rule in MMA. Mm-hmm. That's just the way okay. it goes. But let's go to round two. Uh, again, I think this is also a pretty clear round. Uh, Sanchez gets it down quick. You know, lands some shots, and I feel like he's going to cruise, but then Johnson gets up and just starts landing these heavy bombs uh, on the feet. The immediate impact is uh, pretty pretty noticeable in Johnson's favor. Pretty clear. Uh, I guess there may be because there was kind of some lulls in the fight, in, in the round, I mean. But I, I think this is almost, this is pretty clear 10-9 Johnson. I felt actually a little stronger about this round than you did. And a little stronger than I did even about round one for who won it. I I thought the power shots from Johnson were enough to put it over. These were strong. Yeah. That's that's why I was actually a little more deeply offended by this one than the first one going the other way. Um, and why, again, I feel very comfortable in saying that if we had probably any crew who worked any fight in Vegas, or in Vegas, excuse me, Vancouver, including the ones on the prelims, I'm just, you know, maybe I'm wrong there. But I think we would probably not have to be talking about all of these rounds here. And particularly this one, I, I, I really felt good about this being a Johnson round. I thought Johnson landed the hardest. I don't think volume was a problem necessarily. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's not the biggest output round, but I mean, when you can tell how hard somebody's hitting, especially at these heavier weight classes here, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out the winner when, when they're hitting hard enough. I mean, did that kick at the end land from Sanchez? I don't think it really did. I didn't think it was enough to yeah. change anything like, for is sure. That, is that weighing? Even if it did. So yeah, I, I agreed with you. I agree with judges. Uh, Wade, uh, this way, Bradley Wade was the one in this time who was in the majority with Nate Mann, uh, which is not a superhero name. It's his first and last name, Nate Mann. Not Nate Mann. Nate Mann. Nate Mann. I like that. Comic book hero. Yeah. The one coming S- to save judging in Georgia. Smokes weed. <laughs> That's Otto Mann from Simpsons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's... Uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't have much more to add other than maybe we should add this to the list too. This round. Put it on. I mean, yeah. Two, fight, whole two fight rounds from this fight. Fortunately, it did, this fight ended up not mattering to any sort of 
standings for the PFL seasons and stuff. So it, it was it was not that big a deal. But um, yeah, round three too. Again, we got one more round here. Yeah, uh, this was the closest round of the three. Uh, but it was kind of a weak round. They clinched a bunch. Not many strikes being thrown from either side. Big guys get tired. Sanchez did get to the better clinch positions. Like he got around to the back while standing in the clinch with a body lock, but did nothing with it. I mean, this is this is far from you know having the back with hooks in. It's not a dominant position really. Uh, and at distance, I think Johnson landed heavier. So I think it's ten nine Johnson. But you know, I think this is the only non clear round. Yeah, yeah. I'd say non-clear is, is is the right way to go here. I no problem with it going necessarily either way. I did see it the same way as you, though, um, for Johnson. So judges Fisher and Wade agreed with us this time. Nate Man was a uh, superhero. Nate Man was on his own. Nate but Man, not on so his bad. Own. Not so bad. Fights crime on his own. Mm-hmm. So I'll shout it out to him. At least I th- he he was the one who I think gave the competence the most competent scores in round one and two, and then again was split off in round three. Perfectly fine. So nice job, Nate, man. I'll remember you next time that you're in Georgia, <laughs> which is next week. I don't know if he's working it next week, but I mean, at this point now, I'm hoping it's him instead of the other two, right? Derek, are you available? Derek, is Derek clear in the building? It's a Friday night this time, so maybe that's a little easier, you know. Maybe someone who I don't I don't know if he works on nine to five mm. or, or something like that on Monday. Ah, Friday, you know what? So. No, he might. You know what? He what's the deal with flying cross country Friday to Saturday? He if he's isn't he in Vegas next week? Yeah, it doesn't mean he's going. I know, I'm just saying, maybe he's not, but if he is going, he wouldn't work Friday night in Georgia. Well, that's a California rule. Oh, it's only California. I don't believe oh, that okay. rule is is officially instituted anywhere gotcha. else. That, these things could be unofficially instituted for all I know, but gotcha. yeah, they're the Crosby the only, rule. yeah, the Crosby rule <laughs> instituted by Andy Foster in California. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully Derek Cleary is there for the remainder of PFL though. Hopefully he's got time in his schedule. So that, that would be that would be appreciated for these fighters. I think they need it. Um, there's one final round from PFL, from our show, from this episode of uh, talking about contested rounds here. Ty Flores got a unanimous decision victory over Dan Spawn. Spawn? Spawn. 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 Maybe. Spawn. Like own. He got Spawn. Bell pizza like pizza. 29-28 twice, any 30-27. So we're talking about round three. This fight looked pretty much in the bag for Flores, except it starts to go the other way a little bit in round three. Well, yeah, for about 90 seconds, Spones beats the crap out of Flores. Uh, <laughs> landed hard shots in the clinch, dirty box, and big uppercuts. Uh, Flores dug himself a big hole here. But Flores is able to get a takedown, and he kind of just hangs out on top for a while, stuck in the butterfly guard of Spone. Nothing really happening. Maybe a couple shots here and there. Nothing towards ending the fight. Sure. I should say. Anyway, a few punches here and there, like I said. Uh, I'm, like, thinking... Why are we talking about this? Why fight? this one too? Yeah. Why this round? Uh, but then Flores takes the back, starts landing some punches here. He's now advancing towards finishing the fight uh, and locks in a really solid rear naked choke attempt. I think he definitely climbs out of the big hole he was in, just not all the way out of it. I think this fight, uh, this round should be scored or I scored it 10-9 spawn. Yeah, I scored a 10 nice poem, but man, this is... It gets this close. Is, this is definitely one of those like philosophical, what do you do with the end of there? Mm-hmm. Is, is that getting close enough to the finish that you think it's the most effective elements of the round to surpass what was done earlier? I think you can certainly argue it. You, you, you for sure can. I don't have any problem yeah. with that. Yeah. If that's what if that's what Will, Will Fisher saw, which was the reason he gave Flores round three, totally fine. Totally get it. It's a, it's a sound argument. I saw it the same way as you, like I said. Judges uh, John Mergliano and uh, Bradley Wade, again, they were the ones who saw it for Spone. But again, it doesn't matter. Spone was going to lose on the cards anyway. Yeah. Didn't, 
really didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I should yeah. I should point out too that to to extend off of what we were talking about earlier with the the judging conversation from the week. One thing again, Ariel brought up on his show is that you know stumping for open scoring again, right? Now we've talked about open scoring a lot on the show. We don't have to go with the deep conversation today about that either. But the one thing that I feel like every time brings people bring it up, they bring it up because they're mad about the judging. The one thing that needs to be understood about open scoring is it's not going to fix judging. It just won't. It's not a judging fix. The only thing is, is that it would be a tool for the fighter to know where they stand. Exactly. I'm indifferent to it. I used to be for it. Used to. Then I was. I think like, you were against it. Then I was then against it. it. Now I'm like, whatever. I don't <laughs> care. Um. It's it's not that big an issue to me, really. I'm currently. still pro it currently. I I know uh, a a fellow judging stumper, Sean Sheen is not a fan of it. Definitely. Um. So I guess you and I and him run the gamut, right? I could mediate. On the one end, you guys, yeah, you guys you can. can argue it, and then I'll mediate. That's right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. But yeah, that that's the key thing here is I think what we need to to. Be realistic about when it comes to the conversation about instituting open scoring. Is this is not going to fix your judging, but what it will do is say, okay, if you're behind, and you didn't know it. Now you'll know it, and now you can adjust. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a net positive for the fighters. That's how I look at it. So. Okay. Um, but, or but, you can just fight every round like Jim Miller and try to kill the guy every single round. Forget strategy. Just go out there and try to kill the guy. Yes, but he's burned out for after seven minutes. Have a little more cardio. <laughs> a little more cardio. That's true. Um, but that is that is everything for contested rounds. We have one more reason to go back to UFC, though. And that is the 10-7 watch. Because mm-hmm. round five was a unanimous 10-8 on the cards. So not that you were necessarily saying she was mailing it in at the end or, or that I thought necessarily that she mm-hmm. was going to mail it in. But Amanda Nunes actually got stronger as the fight went on. Uh, and she turned in her absolute best and most dominant round in round five the judges again here were sal d'amato mike bell and chris lee who again were united on a 10-8 and i think they did a great job on the whole on the evening even though we you know we docked chris lee a little bit on the one score but we also agreed with him on an override so there was that there was a lot of pre-fight hand-wringing when i shared who was going to be officiating the main event Everyone going, oh, man, we got Sal D'Amato and Chris Lee. Oh, it's the same officials team as last week. Uh, Now, granted, I'll understand there's a little bit of optics there that look a little weird after having last fight Mm -hmm. where everybody's going after it. But also, there is a much smaller pool of judges that they're pulling from in in, uh, in, in Vancouver compared to Las Vegas. So if not everybody's going out to Canada that weekend and not everybody's licensed in British Columbia, you're not going to have as many officials available to you. So it just doesn't work out. You got to have what you have. And I think you had good officials who did a good job. That's the aside. Back to this round, round five, unanimous 10-8. But is this a 10-7? No, I think this is just a really strong eight. Uh, Total dominance, good damage the entire round. Uh, Just nothing was overwhelming. I feel like this is so. like the very definition of an eight. Yeah. This is a great 10-8. This is the one that if you're not scoring a 10-8, when are you saving it for? Yeah, you just 10-8s don't exist. But it's not a 10-7. Yeah. It's not, unfortunately. I wish it yeah, was. I wish they'd use our system. This would be a she, 7. To be honest, she probably, if if Nunes, like early in the fight when she take her down, she's like, yeah, I'm just proving that I can take you down at will. She kind of just did. Come it was, back it was up. almost like a like a testing thing. Yeah. It's just, just to assert it and be like, all right, get up again. Yeah, get up because we're going to. Because I did comment on that. I was watching. I was yeah. like, why didn't she follow her down? Yeah. She did Maybe that was times, it. Yeah. Maybe it was just a mental thing. Who knows? She's like, I'll do yeah. it later. She might have been able to get a finish if she if she did that and just stayed on top and, and, and 
crushed. I would assume, <laughs> no, especially because she was saying in the post fight, she was saying she knew from the moment she signed the contract to face Irene Aldana when the fight was canceled between her and Juliana Pena, she knew from then on that this was going to be her final fight. Mm. So she already had that mentality and approach and okay. this kind of thing going into this one. Having said that, man, I think that's a good reason to yeah. want to go out on a finish. But I think I think Irene Aldana decided at certain points that she wasn't going to be finished and that she was going to get the mental um, victory of getting over the finish line and mm. making it without necessarily being finished so but with that said if nunez fought she could have had her final fight be a 50 40 <laughs> she so but that probably wasn't going to really happen sir <laughs> <laughs> that would be something i i can't remember has has there been there been a 50 42 before right has there i wasn't there must have been wasn't i quinta yeah and khabib did uh and i believe max holloway got one from and why does he say David Leatherby gave Max Holloway a fifty forty two against Calvin Cater? Okay, I think there were three ten eights on his card in that fight, and and I'm inclined to agree. And I think we both agree there's yeah. actually been a ten seven in there, didn't we? Mm-hmm. When we went over those, I think so. Yeah, so I'm fairly that could be even more. But um, yeah, I, I actually kind of forgot where we were going with that one. I don't here? know where we were going. That's all right. We're just reliving the past. Mm-hmm. But I'm not here to talk about the past, except for what happened just the other day. We got to talk about the finishes. Yeah. Which there were tons of them in PFL. Let's say less so in the UFC. Nine finishes for PFL, four by KO, five by sub, seven of them ended in the first round. This was wild. This is not going to take you long to catch up on, Dan. You should actually go back maybe and watch well, these. Maybe you really well. should. I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, we'll see what I can um, oh, You've got time. Uh, and then in the UFC, again, three finishes, two of them by KO or TKO. One by submission. Two of these ended in round one. Of all of the 12 finishes up for grabs here, what was your favorite? Uh, Mike Mallett, uh, guillotine over Adam Fuggett. And uh, I, the timing for DC's commentary was just not good in this one. Doesn't always have the best timing. It's like, Fuggett coming alive, and then he gets cracked with two shots, goes down, <laughs> gets stuck in a guillotine, and it's over seconds later he's kind of the anti-john anik who has an impeccable timing and then dc kind of just throws out the the, the unfortunate one uh, love dc not that, that was pretty sick so that's my favorite mm-hmm. you my favorite was on the pfl side it was the easily the the biggest dramatic turn of events that i think pfl's ever had in their regular season which was jesus pinedo getting the knockout victory in 94 seconds with a devastating knee on Brendan Lofnane, the reigning champion, who we discussed, and did everything he needed to do, Pinedo, to be able to get into the final, or the semifinal. Because if he did that in the round two, he's going home. Now he's got a chance at a million dollars. So good on him. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was wild. We, it, was great, I, it was a great I, knockout in you general. Had me, you had knockout. me watch that one. You had mm-hmm. me watch I that made one, sure so. you watched that one, because that one was good. Yeah. I, I think I gave you the good setup of how it, like, everything that was leading up to it, too. Yeah, I that think makes I built it the drama. more exciting, yeah. Yeah. I built the drama a little bit yeah. for you. Um, but that is it for the past. Now let's look to the future. To the future. And I can't predict everything. I you know, I don't I don't see these things all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I know Amanda Nunez is going to retire. But I can't say I know what's going to happen in Bellator, PFL, or Las Vegas UFC. Other than we've got a lot of fights that we're going to have to figure out what we want to talk oh, about this or not. Is, oh, this is, yeah. I just know... Two events on Friday. Oh yeah, two Friday events, and they take place concurrently. Oh, so I'm gonna think I'm gonna think that George is gonna be locals PFL. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm leaning. It's a good towards. chance. That's true. Um, we'll see. Because you can go Illinois to Nevada. 
Yeah. It's not, that's not a big change. So you're, you're really just trying to predict what the life events of Derek Cleary are going to be, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> you're just you're trying to figure out what his life's going to be like yeah. next week. I have no idea. But what I do know is, at the very least, when PFL doesn't know how to fill their dead air, you can watch Bellator. Okay. You can you can switch between a lot easier. Uh, so that's kind of a nice thing. And Bellator's card is loaded with like 19 fights. They've got like a billion they prelims on this. Oh my amount. god! It's it's sometimes it's too much. But I their card I think on the whole is most definitely the most interesting of the three because we have two title fights. One of them really shouldn't be the main event, but it is. Vadim Nemkov uh, against Yoel Romero. Silly. Nemkov defending his 205-pound title. And and look, I, I think the world of Vadim Nemkov, I think he has a case to be made that he could be the number one uh, in the world. I, I don't necessarily think so anymore. I still... I would say Yuri Prohaska should be the number one. I don't care who has the belt. That's not where I'm at. I'm, I'm talking about who's the best fighter at 205 pounds. It's kind of like women's bantamweight. Fake belt forever. Fake <laughs> belt. <laughs> uh yes no one is john jones this is true but this should not be the main event and no disrespect to each, each of these guys because i actually am interested in this fight but how do you not put sergio pettis coming back to defend his 135 pound title against patricio pitbull the active 145 pound champion who willingly gave up his 55 pound title to create a fake belt to now chase a third title it has never happened in major MMA where a fighter has won titles in three different weight classes. He would hold, if he wins, 35 and 45 concurrently, and again, willingly gave up 55. Yeah. In theory, he's Bezator's potential best fighter at three weight classes at the same time when he's, you really get down to he's it. Like, he's Bellator's BJ Penn. Now, I'm overselling that to, to a certain point. I am actually overselling this, and I'm aware of that. But if he was to get this third weight class championship, that would really be incredible. I don't care if what your feeling is on Bellator as a promotion, if you think they're third rate or whatever. This is amazing because Patricio Pitbull inarguably is one of the best featherweight fighters of all time. I don't care where he's fought. He yeah, is he can, easily a great. He can compete wherever. I think it's so. it's entirely realistic to compete think he could have. Compete and dominate wherever. It's realistic so. to think he could have come over to the UFC at any point during the last, let's say, dozen years and probably won a championship there. I think he really could have. I don't know who he would have beat. Maybe he beats Aldo. Maybe he beats Wouldn't that be Max fight, Holloway. Huh? I think that would have been great. I think we would have loved to see it. It just obviously didn't work out. But yeah, this is a fight I'm very much looking forward to. It's easily the most interesting fight. Why don't you make this the main event? I think that was a poor choice on Bellator's part, but I'm still excited for it nonetheless. It's just, yeah, they don't like the little guys. I don't think that's true. I, I think, think that's just, very true. I don't know. Because the general public does not like the little guys. Well, that's true. That is. And you if know, you ask a general person, yes, that's true. And I, there has been a school of thought in the past. The UFC has utilized this before. You give the heavier championship the higher placement on the card but they haven't always stuck to that either they've been they've made exceptions this is where if there's if that's what bellator's thinking was they shouldn't do that they should have absolutely changed that patricio pitbull versus sergio pettis that should be the main event this is a case where the wrong fight is the main event the actual main event is the co-main i i saw a, a picture on twitter that you know for this fight it was just this fight's like banner mm. and it said co-main next one i said are you kidding me What's the main? And then I looked at the main and I saw, you know, not that, not that the Vadim Nenkov's in. It's more so that Yoel Romero's the opponent. Like, it's kind of... I mean, it's... it's That's not my... It's not necessarily I, the I, most attractive fight, I think, in that sense. But I, I also... 
I am intrigued because Yoa Romero, of course, brings that third round, what the heck's going to happen thing. Well, what happens Well, after the third round then? In the fifth round? There is no third round. There's no after the third round. Just... It's, it's over. Okay. It's the way it works. The guy has a ridiculous amount of third round finishes. It's not an accident right, anymore. Third round He's finishes, way too many. but in, thir- in three round fights. That's true. So what, are you so implying that what he, he that, waits that... until the final round? Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. What happened? Does it go to the fifth? Does well, it get transferred? I mean, when he's fought five-round fights, they've often gone the distance. He just stares at people. And usually they're against uh, Robert uh, Whitaker. Stare, well, the only one I'm really recalling is Izzy. In that oh, well, that awful, fight. Yeah, that was awful, terrible. Awful fight. Part of that was him, definitely. But it takes two to tango, and neither mm-hmm. one of them wanted to tango that day. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit, and, and, and yeah, then after you looked at Yoel's leg, he was like, I'm not going to tango for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, nobody will. Nobody will tango next to each other ever again. <laughs> Anyway, that was a bad time. We don't have to relive that. Any other fights you want to see in uh, Illinois? Which, by the way, Illinois, I'm sure they'll bring in some some higher top judges, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't look at the whole car, but the, the one you put down here is, is pretty cool to me. I, I think Corey Anderson should have run right through Phil Davis. I don't know. This is a, It's an interesting question because we've got Corey Anderson. I think he, his hands hit hard. He's a wrestler. I think Phil Davis's legs hit hard. He's a wrestler. Yeah, we'll see. Probably be one of those weird striking matches. <laughs> That's often what happens. And then there's a billion other fights, but none of which I was like super enthused about. I'm sure there will be several that will be fun. But yeah, we don't have to go deep into that. PFL, though, again, the Bellator, I should say, starts on Showtime at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, the main card. The PFL main card starts at 10 o'clock Eastern Time on, I believe it's both ESPN and ESPN+. Prelims obviously start a lot earlier, so check. I think it's YouTube for Bellator. And for PFL, that would be on ESPN+. But for PFL, we have the heavyweights and the women's featherweights back in action. The headlining or top build, I suppose, heavyweight fight is between Ante D'Elia and Maurice Green, UFC veteran, going against the PFL reigning champion D'Elia. Larissa Pacheco is against Amber Liebrock at the 145-pound 145 pound weight class. We're in Georgia again, like I mentioned. Do these fights appeal to you? Does any other fight on this card appeal to you? Or are you just going to be like, yeah, ah, no, I don't know if I'm going to uh, watch it? I'm curious to Biagio Ali Walsh, uh, pro debut. Oh, this is, that's right. This is pro debut. He's fighting at lightweight, correct? Yes. This is completely independent of the season format. Right. Travel Miller. What do they call it? A, a PFL showcase? or what, Yeah, what, something is that like what they that. Call it? Yeah. I don't remember. Who's he fighting? Not that I know uh, the name. Travel Miller. Travel Miller. He's also making his pro debut. Good luck to these gentlemen making their pro debut. I... I think it's cool that he's related to Muhammad Ali, but also that doesn't mean he's going to be a great fighter. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, Aspen Lad's also on the card. So. I wish them luck. I hope they have a nice time. <laughs> and I hope we have a nice time watching them. And hopefully we have, uh, let's say, fewer rounds that we feel are, are clear rounds that should have gone a different direction from the Georgia judges. This Nate Man's there to save us. I like Nate Man. Yeah, Nate Man to the rescue. I'm Nate Man. <laughs> anyway. If, I, if my last name was Man, this is actually how I would introduce myself to people. <laughs> I'm Scott Man. <laughs> I'm Leslie Man. Who? Leslie Man. Leslie Man. Is that a person? I feel like that it's, is. I mean, I'm sure it's a human, but that's uh, she's married to. Uh, she's the actress, she's right? The actress. Mar- married to Judd Apatow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was. It. She was in Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. Knocked up. Well, she's in all the the Judd Apatow movies, yeah. but but independent of that, she was in Knock uh, Big Daddy. Yeah. That was where I knew her from. Okay. She was the friend who hated Adam Sandler. Yes. I don't get what, she was going to marry Jon Stewart's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're dwelling on the wrong thing here. We got to finish up. We got to get this <laughs> over with. We got to move on. It's late. I want to sleep. And then I want to enjoy my birthday. So <laughs> so UFC Vegas 75, of course, is the next day. 
that's on ESPN Plus or something like that. I don't know. Check your local listings. <laughs> the main card is headlined by Marvin Vittori uh, against Jared Cannonier. Key middleweight fight. Uh, in theory, one of these men could potentially be close to getting a title shot against a guy that they already showed they can't beat in uh, Israel Adesanya. So we got Marvin Vittori and Jared Cannonier. Do you like this fight at all? Yeah, it's interesting. I like to, I like to watch it. Oh, that's good because you probably will. Yeah, I will. I think that's part of the what we do here on the show, actually. <laughs> it being in Nevada at Vegas, of course, I expect we'll have some high-level judging. Maybe there'll be more options for the people who are annoyed to only see D'Amato, Bell, and Lee. But, you know, maybe we'll see them, too. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'll be in Illinois. I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll see what we get. There are other fights that I like here. Uh, I like Armin Sarukian against uh, Joaquin Silva. In the co-main at 155 pounds. Is there anything else you liked? Yeah, Chris, uh, Christian Leroy Duncan versus Armin Petrosian. They call him CL CL three or CLD. Somebody. He uh, he was looking really good against uh, Todorovic till he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think he's got a bright future, also, according to everybody else. I also want to see uh, Nicholas Dalby against Muslim Salikov because Salikov often produces some mm-hmm. really cool knockouts. Salikov's fun. He's fun. Uh, it's that Sanda style, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't work, right? Sometimes it depends on the matchup, but I think very frequently we get some fun stuff out of him. So I'm going to I'm gonna hope we get that this time. Okay. And then the only reason I put this last fight here is I'm, I'm in a segment that maybe we can do intermittently or whenever necessary. It's a top contested rounds candidate. Okay. The most likely fight that you and I will be talking about on our next episode. Mm-hmm. Zhaga Zumagulov against Felipe Bunes. Okay. Bunes? I don't know how to pronounce that, but Zumagulov, we've heard his name enough. I know how to say that one because he is always in contested rounds. We'll be talking about that one. I, I can only imagine we will. And if I'm saying this and it makes it be a first round finish, you're welcome, America. <laughs> All right. That does it for this special birthday edition of Couchside Judges. Uh, we'll be back again on Monday to discuss probably... Any contest around from UFC, and then we'll cherry pick Bellator and PFL, probably. Yeah, it sounds about right. That's that's yeah. typically our MO. I don't think we can do 34 rounds or whatever the heck yeah, it would be if be there were so many. Be a lot. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. <laughs>